Today is El Día de Muertos. We are also one day away from Election Day. And Mercury is in retrograde. I don't really know exactly what that means. I'm not really that much into astrology. I just kind of learned about it. But basically, we're all either stressed or feeling all the feels right now. And we're enjoying this time of remembering our ancestors and taking time to cherish family. So, you know, it's a little bit of a weird time. It's like all this stuff and all these emotions going on at once in a span of like 48 hours. So I made this episode off the cuff because I really wanted to kind of address exactly what's going on right now. And I also wanted to give you some valuable information about Dia de Muertos, stuff that a lot of people don't always talk about. There are three things that I think most people who, even people who celebrate it, don't know about. And we're going to talk about those three things today. And then also, we are going to talk about five things that you can do to keep yourself zen during this election week. You're listening to Diferente. Estás escuchando Diferente, the bilingual podcast where we celebrate and explore the complexities of living life between two or more cultures. I'm your host, Maribel Quesada-Smith, a producer and creative consultant from Mexico City, living in the U.S., who loves hip-hop and cumbia. I created Diferente to learn, laugh, and grow alongside you with stories and interviews that relate to the bicultural experience. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Diferente. Today I'm here with my husband, special guest, Doug Smith. Say hi, Doug. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. Welcome back to Diferente. <laughs> I asked Doug to join me so that we could talk a little bit about Dia de Muertos, which is today. The reason why I asked him to join me is because it was one of your, no, I shouldn't even say least favorite holidays because you didn't even know about it when we met. That's fair. You just didn't really get it. So I want to kind of um, look at it from your viewpoint and talk about three things that people might not know. Even those people who think they know a lot about Dia de Muertos, I think there are some things that they still might not know. I mean, I've, I'd never heard of it. Like, I always thought, I'd always seen, like, you know, skulls and, and the, 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 the various, you know, candles and whatnot associated with kind of the Mexican culture. But, you know, from where I'm from, like, that's, that's not something that, that's celebrated in the same style, you know, death and welcoming back of the people that have passed on we don't it's not how we do it you know especially in black culture and when you know you first we first got together you know the the, the whole thing around skulls I, I thought was was cross and morbid but you know as as we kind of got to know each other it made more and more sense so you know education is key when it comes to learning about different cultures and not just judging what you don't know yeah so you did kind of have this <laughs> weird, re weird reaction to it at first, I think, because a lot of people have this idea, and it's not an idea. I mean, it's, it's a real feeling. Obviously, death can be very scary and sad, um, and it is to anyone, but there's this other side of looking at it, and in the Mexican culture, there's a side to it that's a little bit more celebratory. But interestingly enough, not everybody in Mexico celebrates it. There, actually, there are pockets of people who do and other, many other people in Mexico who don't. I didn't grow up celebrating it. I learned about it in school. Part of the reason why I did not grow up celebrating it is because it's not very much associated with the religious side of things or also the areas where I grew up. So it's just some people find it more, look at it more as a tradition and other people look at it more as like just a 
fun thing to do. And the people that look at it as a tradition, they actually grow up, you know, believing in this celebration. It comes from, so here's the first thing that people might not know about Dia de los Muertos. It comes from an indigenous tradition. So long, long ago, back when, you know, the Mayans and the Aztecs and um, many other different types of groups were ruling the area in Mexico. They used to celebrate death in this way where they would basically believe it as a rite of passage. When you would pass, you would go through different stages and you needed certain things to get through those stages of, you know, passing, so to speak, if that makes sense. So that's, that's why they would put out these uh, ofrendas where they would put out like a glass of water and different things for the souls to be able to get through their journey. So then that later evolved when the Spanish came to Mexico and they started to evan evangelize. Is that, the, is that a word? Yeah, it's close enough. Okay. <laughs> when they started to get people to convert to Catholicism, they then took that tradition and kind of blended it with the All Saints and All Souls celebration in Catholicism. So Dia de Muertos that, that we know now is an, basically a molded tradition and it's blended between the indigenous beliefs and the Catholicism beliefs. Of the, of the Spaniards. Yeah, of the Spaniards um, that they brought to Mexico. So it's evolved into what it is now. And that's one thing that I think a lot of people might not realize. And, I, you know, that happens in Christianity all the time. There are a lot of pagan holidays that have become... Christian holidays and or a blend of the two. That's one thing. Another thing that a lot of people don't know about Dia de Muertos is the man who made it, made the calavera or the Katrina, which is the, the famous... The skull in the suit. The skull, no, not in the suit, the skull with the hat. Skull with you know the, the lady, the, the female yeah, skull yeah, with the yeah. hat? Okay, so the, the man who made that super popular and how it became associated with Dia de Muertos, his name, he was an artist... Mexican artist named Jose Guadalupe Posada. I just feel like a lot of people were turned off by this whole holiday because it looks so morbid. Like I'm celebrating a skull with a hat on. Like, But uh, how does it look morbid if it's so colorful? That's what I don't understand. You're looking at a black and white photo right now. So okay. how are you talking about colors? I'm looking at a black and white drawing that he made. However, most of Dia de los Muertos, like the ofrendas, That's the only way to make it interesting. Colorful. <laughs> that's really the only way to make it like well, something that you, you want to be a part of by putting some color on, on in a, death. In a second, I'll tell you the other thing, the third thing that most people might not know. But anyway, so Jose Guadalupe Posada was a super interesting man. He was an artist. He, he used to just do caricatures. So that was his thing. He would draw um, kind of like the old school uh, New Yorker drawings that are so famous nowadays. You know, the caric caricatures, yeah. making fun of political things or what things that were going on in society life. yeah so that's what he did he became well known for that he didn't start that way but he became well known for that he is originally from aguascalientes no oh, it's great ah you've been there <laughs> there's something you know <laughs> so he um started drawing these calaveras which are these skulls he would draw basically he would make fun of politicians or he would make fun of figures in society by drawing them as skulls. And that's how he would communicate certain things that were going on in society to people because the majority of Mexicans at that time were illiterate. Hmm. I mean, this was, okay, so just to give you context, this was late 1800s. So 1852 to 1913, that's when he was alive. 
So there was a lot going on in Mexican culture. Like there was a revolution going so on. So while blacks were enslaved, he was, you know, drawing skulls. Yeah. How did we even get to that? <laughs> I'm just saying, you said 1852. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, there were a lot of people I'm who were saying. still enslaved. I'm just, you're, I'm just you're making right. it relevant to, to the black culture here. Yeah. I. You know what? I appreciate the tie-in. <laughs> I'm just saying we were we were enslaved when these drawings were popular. Got it. So so this guy like kind of I can kind of see the parallel why kind of blacks missed the boat here. We weren't. That's actually... like a pun almost in a way. <laughs> a really bad one. That's it's racist that you heard that. It is. Is it? I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Forgive us. Let me get back to Jose Guadalupe Posada. So, yes, he was drawing these calaveras while there was a lot of other stuff going on in the United States related to the black culture. But what I find really interesting is that he didn't really get the recognition that he has now, which happens to a lot of artists. I feel like a lot of Mexican artists that you really enjoyed that happens to, especially like Frida Kahlo. Yeah, Frida like, Kahlo. She wasn't that dope until... She was always dope. She just didn't get that kind of recognition. Same, but like you look at her parallel to like Diego Rivera and like... Right. completely different right and she yet she was right next to him the whole damn time so here's how it all ties back after posada died about 30 years later in 1947 diego rivera made a mural and he called it sueño de una tarde dominical in la alameda central which kind of translates to a sunday afternoon dream in the alameda central so it's basically a historical journey of about 400 years that reflects a really good part of the history in Mexico, the political history in Mexico. And it has like 150 people in there, like relevant people to history. In the middle, you see Diego as a boy. And then just next to him, there's the Katrina dressed up with a hat. And next to her on the other side, is Jose Guadalupe Posada. Originally, this calavera, her name was the Calavera Garbancera. That was what Posada named her. After this mural became known, then she became the Katrina. Now, I encourage our listeners to read more about this history and how she transcended because Posada originally drew her making fun of the bourgeois, the Mexican materialistic elite who were trying to make themselves more European. But that original message has definitely been lost over the years with the merchandising and the commercialization of this holiday and of her image. I feel like this is really like current. Like you'd think like these cult these 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 are like long withstanding traditions, but it feels like modern. He, it feels like in this in the in the twentieth century. Like well, you know it was. what I'm saying? Like it just doesn't seem so long ago. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's like you got this very you know, unique cultural significant uh, celebration and day, yet it's only been in existence for like 80 years. No, 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 no. It's been <laughs> no, in no, existence. No, 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 I'm for... saying like when you're talking about Diego Rivera oh, making it relevant it, and blowing it yes, up and people less than 100 years know, ago, yeah. Recognizing the Posada's work, it's kind of like interesting that it's all relatively now. From now on, when you guys out there listening see the Katrina, the, the image of this lady skull with the hat, now you know who made it. So let me bring that back and talk about the third thing that I think a lot of people might not know about Dia de Muertos, which is the flower, the name of the flower that is very typically used to decorate these ofrendas. Do you know that? No, you don't. I don't know why I'm asking you that. Not. I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> this is my first one. 
No, this is not our first one. This is like my second one. You didn't do I think one this is the year. first time we no, this is the second time we've done an ofrenda. Yeah, in five years. Okay. So this flower is called Sempasuchil. This is an orange, bright orange, beautiful flower. It kind of looks like a marigold. And in fact, in some places they call it Mexican marigold. So the reason, now here comes the other part, the reason why they used the marigold or the Sempasuchil to adorn is to help them recognize, like help the souls that are coming back to visit on Dia de Muertos, help them recognize their path of where they were going so that they could get back to their home, to where their their living day's home. So in Mexico, a lot of people still, they drop petals from the street all the way back into their courtyards or their into their front door or back door to where the ofrenda is so that they guide the souls that are coming back to visit. I just feel like there's a lot of cleaning up people have to do. Well, it's actually... Like okay, it's all yes, over. Like you yes, technically really it is clean, a lot of cleaning up, but... <laughs> cul-de-sacs. You got to sweep leaves. I was going to say that it's organic, but if I say that, there are people out there that are going to slap me because you're not supposed to throw out even, quote, organic trash like on the street like that so it, it either way you're right you have to clean it up. i mean leaves fall from trees nobody complains so ah oh, but those are so beautiful this is yeah i guess you could argue it's, it's the, the same, same thing, thing because they dry up i'm just saying so i doubt that a lot of people end up, end up having to pick them up but that's what it does the senpatsuchi you know kind of draws the souls like points them to the right direction and if you watch the movie coco i just want to say that coco is probably the most influential like thing that happened for me with this holiday did it change your mind at all about how you look at it yeah of course no question coco changed my mind because they make it seem happy like, but it is happy yeah but if you don't know what it is it's not happy <laughs> like nothing's happy about hanging out like with with skull candles and stuff welcoming dead back like that's not like Does that scare you no, it scare me. It's just, it's morbid when you look at it from the outside in. I'm going to light some candles. I'm going to put some pictures of people that are dead. We're going to put these skulls all around. And then we're going to get like some skull and some flowers that to make it less d- dark and drab. We're going to lighten it up. Hold on, but why is flowers. it dark and drab if you're actually welcoming them back? I'm talking about outside looking in and you don't know what it is. Hmm. If you don't know what this day is and what it represents and you're completely oblivious, it's a very weird and like morbid looking thing to celebrate because <laughs> of the skulls. You got, I think it's the skulls. You got skulls and you, you got skulls and suits, like and dressed up skull That's st- what makes statues it funny and, f- and figurines. But it's supposed to be this huge, like heavy event, like the welcoming back of people that have. It's not fallen. heavy. I would say that it's like a. Well, I mean, it's super heavy to me. Like, oh, okay. like you're welcoming you, back people that you'll never see again, and you get one day a year to bring them back in into the crib. Like, which is why it's happy to a lot of. It's people. happy, but it's heavy. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> but like when you look at the, the that should be on a t-shirt. The, it's happy, but it's heavy. But the gravity of the of you welcoming back, you know, for example, I'm welcoming back my mom. Right? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, there's not a lot of like excitement when you just look at the. The tangible assets of the day. That's an interesting thing to say for you who, as a Christian, you believe that her soul is yeah, in another better course, place, absolutely. right? No question. So then why but does I don't it welcome you... it back because it's always here in Christianity. That's the attitude, right? It's always here. So oh. are we welcoming it back? That's the other confusing reason for me and also being Christian. It's like my mom's in heaven looking down. That's an omnipresent kind of a situation. Oh. So you're, you're, you're basically taking this omnipresence 
and saying that you get this one day to come back and be with us. So you're saying that sh- that to you, she's up above. Yeah. She's more detached. No, that's, I'm not deist. She's involved. She's, okay. She's here. She's there. Well, it's so it's the same thing then, basically. There's, there's, if she's here already, then it's just the day where she's. But like you said earlier, okay. there's these stages that people have to do to get to where I believe my mom already is. Oh, okay. So like when you talk about the levels of going through the passage into this place, see, that's the thing about watching Coco, the movie. It doesn't seem like, like what you're saying. It makes it look like, you know, we're going to really par- throw this party. <laughs> like you're going to come back to this party. Yeah. And, you know... But then there's this very like unique, scary part. Like when there's no one that's living that remembers you, then you go on to quote like real death. But that's like, a- you stay in if you stay in the minds and the hearts of people, and that's scary. Nowadays, it seems like everyone with a camera and a microphone is a, quote, content creator. Don't get me wrong, I love that the internet has allowed so many people to test their creativity, but when it comes to your brand making an impact, wouldn't you rather partner with a seasoned media expert? Because your brand is more than a business, it's a story. So let me help you tell that story. I'm a producer and creative consultant who understands that your online presence should be working for your brand not against your bottom line. If you're ready to create online video and audio content in English or in Espanol that builds trust and turns your audience into loyal customers, go to maribelqs.com forward slash ready and let me know. And that's, but I feel like that belief is across the board in many cultures. True death is when you're forgotten. I feel like a lot of cultures do believe in that. In Coco shows you that and I, I mean I don't know if it's scary but it's definitely like the sad it, there's a sadness to it that tells you okay this is why this is why it's so important to remember our ancestors and celebrate them yeah which I think a lot of people in the American culture do tend to celebrate their ancestors but in Dia de Muertos it's a yeah you're right it's almost like a party it's like a day where you're like this is the special day where we commemorate and we you know we basically are in the same room with them for this one day a year because in your day-to-day life you don't really think about your ancestors as much right? not my ancestors i think about my mom or your mom well i don't think about my ancestors like i didn't like my ancestors aren't on the offering that's like, true because we don't have pictures yeah of so they've forgotten they go they're going no, on to the next level like which, <laughs> you can't have it both ways i'm sure they are on other people's if they own somebody's offering somewhere. somewhere then they're good but they damn sure ain't on ours so they gone. <laughs> oh that's terrible and that's another thing about the movie coco that makes makes the uh the day very 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 interesting because when you look at how they build the anticipation for the dead to come back it's like they got their bags packed and they're and they're on this like journey and they're like waiting for the day yeah so it's like if you're in this purgatory like place you wait for this one day to be like no, a, no, no. alive but they're to not come in a back. purgatory I, I'm, that's why i said like i'm not saying <laughs> oh, it's okay. purgatory like, it's like verbatim a... like take that to the god okay. no i'm saying there's this like holding place this abyss where these people are because they're still remembered. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's, it's kind of a tug of war. It's kind of has to suck at some point. It's like you get all these years where you get to come back and then they pass and then it's like, oh, well, shit. 
nobody's gonna remember me now so now i gotta go on to like the the real yeah, death part there's a little bit of that but as what i was getting at is that in the movie the senpa sutril is what's on the bridge the the flowers that are on the bridge yeah, that cool. are orange that's what's leading them back that's in cool. and that's where that comes from so we couldn't get any senpa sutril here in phoenix so i, I got carnation. some orange flowers like i got i got orange roses and some orange hydrangeas which i don't even know how they made those But that's that's how we did ours. And the people that are on our ofrenda are my brother-in-law, Eddie, uh, Doug's mom, Monica. Then we have my grandparents, Elvira and Pepe, and my grandfather, Esteban, my mom's dad. And then we have our beloved Azul, our daughter. And then also we invited our friend, Tim, to bring a picture of his mom and dad mm -hmm. who passed away this year. And we like to kind of invite people that are around us to bring their loved ones photos to, to our ofrenda if they so feel inclined. Mm -hmm. um, I like sharing that holiday and that spirit with people. I think it's a beautiful way to celebrate someone you cared about. And to me, it's not morbid. It's just another way to remember. So let me know how you guys are putting your ofrendas together or what you did this year and what you like about it or what you don't like about the holiday. I think there's a lot of misconception out there about the fact that some people believe it to be cultural appropriation if other people that are not of our culture start to celebrate it. And that's not true. I want to just put it out there. Like, if you do your research and you do it respectfully, there is nothing uh, wrong with celebrating the tradition in your own homes. There's also nothing wrong with painting your face if you want to do that as well. Just, you know, learn about it and pass it on as a cultural tradition. So I think that if people do it respectfully, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so another thing that I really want to discuss this week. This is just such a weird week. Did you know that Mercury is in retrograde? I don't care about that shit. <laughs> well, first of all, I didn't know about it at all. I, I'm not, I don't know anything about astrology, but I, I read, up, read up on what that means. And basically, it's like things can get a little chaotic which is just not a good sign when you have election day tomorrow. And that's apparently the last day that Mercury is in retrograde. Retrograde. So for those people who believe in that, I'd be curious to know what you think about that and what that might have to do with election day. So DM me because I'm definitely interested in learning more. I don't know enough about the subject. So let me know what you think. But I wanted to just share some information that was shared with me via uh, United Way about resources that are out there for people to manage the stress that comes with Election Day and post-Election Day, because that's a thing, apparently. I mean... <laughs> people getting soft as hell these days. No, it's not about people getting soft people as hell. People getting soft, man. It's, it's, it is stressful, though. Okay, you were just telling me that you're worried that your ballot wasn't received in time. That's because the system right now sucks to not get around putting in absentee votes. Like, that's that's why I got to go vote tomorrow just because I haven't got my test confirmation that my absentee was received. Or not even absentee, it's vote by mail. Well, to me, that's kind of stressful because because I can't vote. I'm like, I feel like I have to live vicariously through your vote. You and vote. I really need to make sure that they receive that shit. <laughs> so. So anyway, there are tons of resources out there that you can look up for how to manage the stress during this election season. But I just wanted to give you guys some um, helpful information about things that you can do on your own. So number one, meditate. When you wake up in the morning for a week, try it just one week. Close your eyes, take some deep breaths and meditate in the morning for 10 minutes if you can. 
it's really going to make a difference in how you look at the rest of your day. Number two is try to stay away from uh, divisive conversations this coming week. So just try to keep a healthy mindset and just, you know, stay steer clear of the divisiveness. And don't be afraid on. to tell somebody to fuck off. Like, that's my <laughs> attitude. Like, you want to bring some bullshit around here? Like, not having that today. So keep that away from me and keep just keep yourself over there. Don't be yeah. afraid. Yeah. And if you hear uh, Renzi in the background, sorry about that, but he has awakened and this is just real life here. Uh, so, so yeah, so keep that divisiveness away for, you know, for this week, if you can, uh, number three is try not to make too many plans based on election results, because I feel like that's how people get disappointed. People do that? Yes. Business people do that. I mean, hello, stock market. I know, but it's just, like, I mean, <laughs> it's just so unique. It is unique, but it's real. A lot of people start to plan, like even people, vacations I think that people that. need to go ahead and plan for the month of counting and recounting that that's going to happen after the election. Oh, you think that's what's going to go down? It's obviously going to go down. Okay, Renzi, if you're going to be in the studio with us, I'm going to need you not to kick the microphone uh, cord. Thank you very much. Okay. (laughs) Sorry about that. So that's number three is, you know, don't just don't worry about the election results. I feel like you can count on one thing about the election results is that either way, there's going to be a childish acting uh, either president or former president. Yeah, well, that that is either a way, very good point. That's a fact. Either way, that is a that's f- a fact. <laughs> we will have um, a childish situation situation going on. No either way, what. it don't matter. <laughs> okay, number four. I'm not necessarily totally subscribed to this belief, but uh, they talk about like not really getting into discussions with people who you disagree with, and I think that this week that's okay because we want to keep the stress level low. But um, in general, I do believe that having discourse is a positive thing and we should be able to disagree in a respectful manner. But maybe this week you should steer clear from um, too much of a disagreement with people, especially at work. There's a lot of stuff out there that's talking about, you know, a lot of information being sent to managers and teams about how to manage disagreements, political disagreements in the workplace. So corporations are already and organizations everywhere everywhere are already gearing up to mitigate the possibility of having people basically like i don't know having fights none of this happened when bush was elected and left office just for the record well actually you know what i don't know if i can speak to that like that broadly as as in none of this happened because uh i'm not sure that's the case i just the most interesting piece i've found is that every president we've had in the past you know, Bless you, four presidents have all been two-term presidents. I don't know if that's foreshadowing or the opposite of wishful thinking, but I, I just find that interesting. Who's the last president that did not get reelected? Was that uh, GW's dad? I, you were just I was asking. asking. No, I was literally asking you. Um, the last president to do four-year term. Let me Google that. Oh, I told you it was George Bush Sr. Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not technically senior because he has a different name. Yeah, it was George H. Bush he only served one term. So that was in our lifetime. So, hey, man, that, you know, I'm not trying to get political here, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> we might what? get lucky. <laughs> um, anyway. I'm not trying to get political talking about the presidential election. <laughs> All right. The fifth, the fifth tip that we can give people on how to stay cool, calm, and collected out here during this week of election. Doug, that's on you. What are you going to do this other than do. not care? This is what I'm going to do. <laughs> If Trump wins, this is my voice all week. 
I don't know. Um, we're laughing, but we're not laughing. I'm going to say something kind of off the cuff here because I think people need to understand that at the end of the day, we're still kind of one nation. You know, politics and the elections always kind of get us divisive. So at the end of the day, regardless of who's in office, I think it's it's everyone's job to take the time that they need to, you know, be upset, but at the same time... Or just, happy. Or happy. You, know, you could also be positive. Um, but I think, you know, much like we saw during like 9-11 and national crises, you know, at the end of the day, Americans come together. So I just hope that regardless of which side of the w- election you're on, the winning side or the losing side, take the time that you, you need to vent and then get the hell over it because at the end of the day, we got to get right back to it because uh, we got we got work to do. There's things that need to be done for, for people all over this country. And um, it's a lot harder to work in government when everybody's opposed to everything. And my fifth thing would be to remember to be empathetic. So I think that one of the ways that we can stay calm and collected is remember your empathy. Remember that um, you don't know what's going on in everybody's shoes. Uh, So try to make decisions and make comments with empathy. So with that said, this is this week's episode of Diferente. Thank you for tuning in into the basically off the cuff episode that I put together for this week. This is where I live. I don't know where you live. Because, you know, sometimes you just have to make changes at the last minute. This year is about not being perfect. And listeners, I think I've achieved that very successfully. (laughs) Thank you, Doug, for being on the show again. Always. Holla at me. Thanks for listening to Diferente. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Maribel underscore QS. And if you haven't already, show me some love by clicking the five stars in the reviews. Until next time, remember to be curious and courageous in your growth journey.